Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, January 8th, we look at Lesson 2, the message of Hebrews. Join us as we highlight the numerous roles Jesus fulfills through the lens of the book of Hebrews. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, lesson two of uh, this quarter, the message of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 8 verse 1 is our memory text this week. This is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Uh, once again, that's Hebrews 8.1. And what an amazing message that is for us, that we still have a high priest who is acting on our behalf. I love it. And, uh, you know, Hebrews, this message is this story of covenant and redemption. And we just see so much um, the story of the plan of salvation here that's just unpacked and just oozes with God's love. Uh, I agreed. Uh, so, Michael, tell us about Jesus as our king in Sunday's lesson. Well, this is kind of a very interesting uh, lesson uh, or aspect of, of the book of Hebrews as it's beginning, and it's sort of like this, uh, you might even say like a hymn, that mm-hmm. is describing uh, who Jesus is. Um, there's a lot of people that have questions about this. Is Jesus truly divine? Is, is he a divine person? These kinds of things, right? And you begin to see right away um, the role of the sun. The sun isn't just some kind of super angel that comes along, but the sun is an actual part of the divine trio or the, the we would even, I would uh, feel comfortable using the word Trinity because yes. um, as Adventists, we fully embrace the three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and we do that uh, because, uh, first of all, and most importantly, it's it's biblical. And this is where uh, one of those places where we see this described for us very clearly. Uh, and we see three parts, and um, our lesson here kind of unpacks this a little bit. Uh, it starts out in verse 5, where God installs Jesus as the royal son, as the divine son. Mm-hmm. So you have this sort of uh, enthronement ceremony, we would say. And again, Jesus, um, and throughout Scripture, and here Pastor Paul is using the same kind of thing, he works through the language uh, of what people were familiar with. Right. And so this would have been very uh, common understanding in the ancient Near East to try to understand and identify and describe in, in, in verbiage um, of, of, of a divine personage. And that's what we have going on here. So uh, God installs Jesus, verse 5. Then the next verse, God introduces the Son to the heavenly court. So the courtroom or the throne room of God. So in the ancient Near East, a throne room was really important. That's the seat of power. That's the place of privilege. That's where the royalty um, are in function as as the leaders, right? right. And so, uh, so you have to introduce the, introduce the son to the heavenly court here, uh, and create proclaims him for uh, his sonship as eternal creator and ruler. So this is his authority. This is why we can believe and worship him as the divine personage, right? And then third, um, God enthrones the son, giving him power over the earth. In other words. 
part of what makes the role of the Son important in the divine personages of the Trinity is as Jesus plays all three persons of, of the of the Trinity play an important part in this plan of salvation, but Jesus is the one who becomes human and right. through his life, right. through his death, through his sacrifice, we would say, becomes that mediator. And so and that mediation, that mediator role is what uh, the whole book of Hebrews is about us describing who is Jesus, and it defines Jesus first and foremost as divine, as our divine king. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, sorry, Michael. So talk to us about what, what this mediator thing's all about. Yeah, so in Exodus 4, 22 to 23, which is an interesting place to start, but it makes so much sense, after, especially after you finish reading. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Mm -hmm. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse uh, to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Mm. As we see here, this talk of this of of the son coming, but then Mm -hmm. later on comes the promise of the Davidic king uh, Mm. that's going to come through. And we find that ultimate king that eventually comes is, of mm-hmm. course, Christ, uh, comes through uh, the lineage of David. But also there, there's a couple more here that I, I want to get to before we uh, describe what they're trying to get to here. What promises to Israel will be fulfilled through the promises of the Davidic king? Mm-hmm. Uh, and here in Psalms, uh, Psalm 132, 1 through 5, won't read the whole thing, but just a couple of ones that are there. It says... Uh, uh, Lord, remember David and all of his afflictions, mm-hmm. how he swore to the Lord and vowed the mighty one of Jacob. Mm. Uh, verse four, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Right. So we just see here this promise of this Davidic king that was supposed to come. And he did come and fulfilled all that we needed him to do, that, that we yearn for him to do. Yeah. Uh, verse 11 and 14, uh, 11 through 14 through that uh, same, same uh, passage says, The Lord has sworn in truth to David, he will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. Mm. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons shall also sit upon your throne forevermore. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. Yeah. And so the promise of our mediator coming was mm. through this lineage of the promise of the Davidic king. Wow. Who would also understand us more so than any other uh, stories of deities that are around. This is not one who created us and just threw us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one who actually embodied mm-hmm. what we're going through. Uh, well, I know we're going to get into that later on, uh, in, not in this lesson, but but yeah. we have such a great high priest, right, who yeah. has gone through everything we've gone through, mm-hmm. yet without sin. We see yeah. that in uh, chapter 10 and 14 of Hebrews. Yeah. Uh, and so this promise of, uh, of the Davidic king was also a promise that we'll have someone who understands us, mm-hmm. who wants to understand, uh, understand us, who wants to be in a relationship with us, mm. and now will give us counsel. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I'm looking forward to a text that's coming up here in just a little while. But uh, bef- before we get there, Michael, tell us about Jesus as our champion. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this kind of comes back to an Old Testament theme since we, you know, build obviously on these stories and the the Old Testament itself for the story of the Hebrews. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, you have the story of how they chose Saul 
and you know they're pleading begging you know give, give us, us a, a king, king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so in the context of that and you have to ask yourself well why why did they want a king well they wanted a leader but most of all they wanted someone who'd be kind of their superhero yes and go out and fight so that they would win so yes. they want to beat their enemies. They want to beat their enemies the way their enemies wanted to beat them. Exactly. And so it's kind of like, well, let's, let's go down to their level and, um, we need, we need somebody that's going to, and so we need someone strong and handsome, looks the part, but. So, so head and shoulders above the rest, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's also strong. (laughs) Yes. 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 Able to give them the military victories that they want. And by way of contrast, Hebrews two describes Jesus and it Ooh. says, um, it doesn't describe him as some kind of Marvel superhero. Uh, instead, it, it <laughs> describes him as having uh, the power, um, uh, basically, of, of death. And, and of course, um, that is the devil who, who brings death, right, to this world. Um, and so, and slavery to death. And so, Jesus isn't like some kind of superhero that helps us just beat our enemies down in the ground and uh, giving us invincible strength, but rather that true secret of invincibility comes in Jesus's ability to defeat something much deeper. And that's the this problem of sin, of evil, of selfishness, all of those things. Um, and so Jesus is able to go much deeper. And um, so rather than being someone, you know, here in the ancient Israelites, one someone powerful, and in Jesus, in a way, is powerless in the fact that uh, by being powerless and his self-sacrificing love, sacrificing right. himself, ultimately becomes powerful, defeating sin itself. Right. And that's really what's going on here. We, we find this again um, at, in Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 59. There's passages here that are described for us. Yahweh wants to be that supreme fighter for them to to take care of them to be the king um not in the way that israel wanted but in a way that would be utterly transformative and that's that's what it is says i love you and i want to be your leader if you will only let me And isn't that the call for us still today? it is it is so um i know hebrews is all about christ is our high priest um tell us more buster uh, so the question here is, what functions did the uh, high priest feel or the priest feel, fulfill? Mm-hmm. And there was one here in particular while I was going through it, Michael, that yeah. really caught my eye. So Leviticus one goes through some of the some of the duties of the high priest, and I'll, I'll highlight some of those first, as of course uh, this is coming up here. So and Le- Leviticus one, as well as and the the key text there that uh, as I'm turning there right now, Michael. Uh, that I want us to really look at is Malachi 2 7. Mm. Uh, so Leviticus 1 and 1 through 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, it talks about now the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, telling him he wants the, uh, the children of Israel uh, bring the livestock, but then the priest is going to handle the sacrifices, right? <laughs> he's going to yeah. sacrifice on your behalf mm-hmm. in order to atone for your sins. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have Aaron's sons as the Levites. They're going to handle this and the, uh, these functions. Mm-hmm. So we see that's one of the functions of the high priest. Yeah. Well, let's look here at Malachi 2.7. And this is one that I was like, wow, for the lips of the priest should keep uh-huh. knowledge and the people should seek the law from his mouth, for yeah. he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. 
right? Mm-hmm. So the yeah. priest is someone that's filled with the knowledge of the Lord, that's going to share that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see the priest as uh, making sure that that he is going between God and the people and making sure that he is that that mediator, as we see here before. Yeah. And yeah. the ultimate one that we're actually looking at is mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. who fulfills all those functions and then some, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, perfectly, wonderfully, uh, that's who Jesus is. And we are still in need of a high priest today. Mm-hmm. And so the last text we'll look at, of course, we have to go back to the book of Hebrews. It's going to be Hebrews chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 5, uh, 1 through 4, says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he has himself as also a subject, a subject to weakness. Mm-hmm. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so so as also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sin. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who was called by God, just as Aaron was. Mm. And so, uh, and and I, I hate to jump ahead, but so also Christ did not glorify himself, but mm-hmm. became, but to become high priest. But it was also he who said, you are my son, today I have begotten you, mm. right? And yeah. so Jesus took this honor upon himself mm-hmm. for our on our behalf, and we have a great high priest. Yeah. Uh, and all those things that we're seeking, we can find them in the role of mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. Michael, tell us, uh, share with us, Jesus, uh, how he medita- meditate, mediates a better covenant. Yeah, we could use some meditation on this, we, I think. We could. <laughs> mediation and meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reminds me of Ellen White says, you know, spend a thoughtful hour every day, day on the Christ and the last moments of Christ. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, coming to Hebrews 8, you know, this better covenant, which raises the question, is the better covenant a different covenant, right? Ooh. Some people want to make that sound like the Old Testament's one thing, one Done way, of, and the New Testament is something else. And, and it's not really like that because God doesn't change the way he saves humanity. We're all saved throughout all salvation history through Jesus Christ. And so therefore the mediation of Christ is where it's at. That's what Christ wants is our hearts. I mean, that's the the, the main point that he's trying to get to with the children of Israel, right? And even though they struggle and they have setbacks and everything else, which we're kind of reminded to these different allusions of the story of the ancient Israelites, like, right. you know, give us a king, you know, it's kind of a setback. I mean, it yeah. probably broke God's heart, right? And it did. It, this is kind of what's happening. And so this kind of idea of a better covenant. And so to really capture that, I want to read this because it's just so important. Uh, chapter 8, verses 8 through 12. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will be... It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. No more. Well, this is obviously a reference to uh, Jeremiah um, as part of this passage here. It's describing the journey of the children of Israel, and God still is in the business of saving human beings. Amen. And they messed up. They broke the covenant. But it doesn't mean that that God still doesn't try to save, because God, the covenant 
is always there. The covenant is reestablished. It's reasserted once again. It's reasserted in our lives if we surrender our lives to Christ. That's that's a covenant, right? That's right. a promise. That's that relationship God wants to have. And so um, Israel became so focused on these external behaviors, keeping the Sabbath, whatever, you know, all these different rules and regulations that they're missing the most basic point that that God wants, and, and that is to have a relationship. He wants our heart. And and he's making this point, hey, let's try again. Let's try again. If we need to do it, let's try again. I'll make yeah. a new covenant. But uh, what I want is to write it, um, put those laws in your minds and in your hearts. I want you to desire these things. I want I you to want to have that relationship. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like this, Michael, which is, and for those of you listening, we're not saying that those things, those extra things that they were doing weren't, don't matter, it's, but yeah, it's like course. this. It's like building a house without having a foundation first. Yeah. The first storm that comes along, your house is going to be torn apart, right? Yeah. But you have a strong foundation. That strong yeah. foundation is our hearts surrendered to God. Mm-hmm. And from there, my Sabbath keeping, my obedience, my mm-hmm. whatever else it might be, my returning of tithe and offerings, right? Yeah. Those things... Yeah. They're, they matter because mm-hmm. I my foundation is my heart has been surrendered to God. If mm-hmm. I try those things without it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm building my house on sand. Ouch. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just really as simple as that. And it's not complicated. God loves us. He's in the business. Uh, you know, that's what the priesthood thing's all about. We're going to unpack that more this quarter. Yes, we are. Because uh, you're going to keep coming back to that uh, because that describes so aptly um, the role in ministry of who Jesus and what he's all about. He wants to save you and me. Amen. And, uh, and if wherever you may be struggling in your life, um, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit might just be speaking to you saying, hey, I want that new covenant in your heart. I, I want to have that relationship with with you. And and don't let anything distract or get in the way of that. If, if something has, this is the time to reestablish that covenant just by surrendering and saying, God, I, I need you in my life. I need you to work that good work in, in me. I may not even know how to do it, but but I just want to surrender myself mm. to you and and see where God's going to God. God has a way of a funny way of surprising you sometimes in ways you don't expect. Thank you so much for the for sharing that, Michael, because we need to be attentive to those mm-hmm. things and keep yeah. our eyes, our ears and our hearts open for it. So uh, let's be new tev- new co- covenant Christians. I say yeah. <laughs> Not that we that the old covenant is is so much that it, it's wrong or bad, but no. but that God wants to um, allow if if we will only allow Him to uh, work in our lives. So, yeah. in other words, He's made provisions for us. Yeah. Why not take those provisions? Yeah, and that's the message of Hebrews. I think yes. in a nutshell. So you know, wherever you are. Um, let God work. Let that message sink deeply into our hearts. Amen. Yeah. Well, I think it puts a wrap for another week. So um, this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing, signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu. Or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.